Let's get to work on Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached there in the Galilee region. And um, he wants to speak specifically into some um, of us, actually all of us um, today, but probably some of us more than others. That'll make sense later on. Um, so we're working, and, and it's, it's been kind of work, isn't it? We're building our lives. We're, we're making better choices, foundational choices for survival in a world that's trying to destroy us. And that's what we're focused on. That's what we're going to be working on um, today. It's been work, hasn't it been? You know, you would think that it'd be like easy. Oh, yeah. Jesus, you're Lord. Absolutely. Of everything. Jesus, you're king. Uh, the word of God, absolute authority over my life. I'm gonna do everything to the written detail. I'm gonna apply it to my life. Easy work, right? <laughs> What's wrong with us? Why is it so hard? It is work, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing the work. I really am, because I can guarantee you, I can, make, I can make promises to you, definitive promises to you, that if we will do the work of taking God's word and applying it to our lives and putting it into practice, it doesn't matter what storms come our way, our houses will stand. There may be coming a day that everyone else's houses are falling down and ours are standing and people will be asking, why is your house standing and mine is not? And we'll be able to share with them the truths of God's word that we have experienced, that we have applied to our lives, that we have learned from, so that they can have that same stability in their lives. So, so far, let me give you a little review. So far, we have worked on identity choices. We started out with that. Um, who are we in relationship to God and his love? We then worked for two weeks on what I'm calling authority choices. That was um, choosing to put Jesus as Lord over your life and choosing the Bible, God's word, as the authoritative, superior voice in my world, in my life, every waking thought, every waking moment, of every day. Last week, Matt did a great job, didn't he? I love hearing our, our elders get up here and bring the word to you. I'm so appreciative of that. And last week began working on what we're calling capacity choices. So identity choices, then authority choices, then the rest of our time is gonna be working on these capacity choices. And here's what we mean by that. Um, it is the realization that we are limited in our capacity as human beings that we have limitations, that we can't handle everything and control everything. Last week, we talked about this. I can't carry the past, so I choose to forgive. I hope that you did the homework. I really do. I hope that you went out there and you made the phone call, that you wrote the letter, that you had the coffee, um, whatever the conversation was that you needed to have in order to ask for forgiveness possibly or to release forgiveness to someone so that you can move on and as you declare that I can't carry the past. It's not for me to carry and so I choose to forgive. I can't do it all. I can't solve it all. I can't carry it all. I can't fix it all. Are you tracking with me or are you of the persuasion that no, I've got everything under control. I know exactly what I'm doing. We're going to talk about that today because here's, here's our today message. I can't control the future, so I choose to trust Jesus. I can't control the future. 
How many control freaks do we have in the room? <laughs> okay, it was nice of you to be honest like that. Let me ask it this way now for all those of you who weren't honest and raise your hand. Let me ask it of the people sitting next to control freaks, how many control freaks are in the room? Okay, all right, uh, sounds good. Well, let me, okay, th- for, for those of us control freaks, I wanna ask this question. How's it going for you? Are you in control of all things in your life? And um, is that control freakness, I don't even know the other word, if that, is that control freakness, is that, is that um, causing any conflict at all with those you love or those in your workplace or those who live around you, anything? Nobody wants to admit that, except the balcony. You guys want to admit that up there? Two of them, but they're sitting in the very back. They didn't know that everybody could see. We love you guys, by the way. I was thinking about something this week. I was thinking about my heart. Not because I have heart issues or anything, but I was, I was just thinking about the the involuntary rhythm of my heart and how like, you know, whenever I go to work out and I get going, I don't say to my heart, okay, it's time to beat faster because I need more blood, I need more oxygen, I need everything going on, so beat faster. I don't have to keep up with my heart and tell it what to do. I could go to sleep at night. Now, Okay, some people have heart issues, okay? And that, that's, that's a big serious thing. And so maybe you do go to sleep every night worrying about your heart, okay? But the majority of us, and, and, and actually all of us until we have heart issues, we, none of us go to bed at night and lay down and just lay down on our back and we're petrified, worried. Is my heart gonna beat? Or if I close my eyes and fall asleep, will my heart stop? If you do, that's a problem, you really have control issues, if that's the case for you. I mean, outside of heart disease, outside of a heart problem that you already have, we don't think about that. In fact, let me ask you a couple of questions, you control freaks out there. Can you control your heart's beat? No. Well, you maybe. You know, you could get some paddles every once in a while if you want, but you cannot control. Do you will it to beat or not? It just does its thing, right? Can you do anything about it? Let me ask you this. Can you do anything about it if in the future it decides it's going to stop? Nothing you do about it. Here's the declaration today. You are not in control of your life. This is for the control freaks. I'm gonna get off of the control freaks. For, you know, I'll come back to you at the end, okay? But I'll get off of it in just a second. You're not in control of everyone else's life either. You, some, we think we are. We think that we're, that's, up, that's my responsibility, to be in control of everything around me and everybody else around me. You're not. You're not in control of your life. You're not in control of everyone else's lives. And you're certainly not in control, this is what we're working on today, of your future. Jesus has some really good realities for us. And let's start with it. Go right to your notes right now. Reality number one is I have a limited capacity. 
We have to admit this and we have to realize this, that we have a limited capacity as human beings. We're gonna be in Matthew 6, 34 and a couple of other passages, but this is the main passage and it's very one, it's one sentence, it is one verse long. And we're gonna start out with this, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. So I want you, any 60s children? You were like, you were, you were growing up, you were a little kid in the 60s. Okay, think about TV when you were little, okay? How many channels did you get on your TV when you were little? Three channels, that's exactly right. Channel number one was ABC, that's exactly right. Channel number two was NBC, that's exactly right. And channel number three was CBS, these guys are so awesome. And if you were like me and you lived in an upscale neighborhood, you didn't have like rabbit ears on your TV, you had giant antenna on top of your house. And, and, and in those days, it was like Philip, it was always me, always me, six kids in the family. Philip, it's time to turn the TV, Columbo's coming on. Turn it to channel two. And get up and turn the channel. We had to turn the channel. What a hassle, turning the channel. Had to get up, had to go back and sit down. And then somebody would say, it needs to be turned up. What a horrible time I lived in. What a horrible time I grew up in. You know, turn up the TV. But in our neighborhood, because we were rich people, um, we had this box on top of the TV that you turn, and, and, and if you turned it off of channel one onto channel two, you would have to turn the box and turn the dial until the antenna would go, because it was power, it was a powered antenna, and it would move, and then it would bring everything into plain view. Remember that? Okay, well, that was a long, long explanation, just to say this. <laughs> just to say, all of us are like a 60s television. Every one of us, okay? We have three channels. In all of the channels, all the thousands of channels available to you, we all camp and we live on three different channels. They are called, anybody wanna take a guess? The past. You're so smart. I heard it, I heard it. The present. And anybody wanna go for the last one? The future, there we go. Okay, here's our problem though. Most of us, probably all of us, spend way too much time on channel one and channel three. When in reality, channel two is where we live. But we don't think we live there. We live in channel one and channel three because we're control freaks and we think that we've got everything under control. But I want you to hear from Jesus that you have a limited capacity. Too many of us, way too many of us spend much too much time tuning into the wrong channels. And this is a problem because you cannot change the past. The past is in the past and you can't control the future. You can't alter your future. You can't control your future. You have not been, hear me, you have not been created or equipped to control the future. You have nothing to do with what's coming your way. 
Now, some of you are thinking, because you, you you, you're good thinkers, and you're all thinking, well, hang on a second. There are some things that I can do today to prepare me for what's going on in the future. Actually, that's what we're doing right now. We're learning, okay? But the problem with human beings is, especially controlling human beings, is that we spend all of our time in the present, Jesus' word, worrying about what's coming in the future. And spending all of our time in the future, in our minds in the future, worrying about what's going to come or what's not going to come, what we're going to get or not get, what's going to happen to us or not happen to us, instead of focusing on everything today, working for today, Jesus is the one who says to us in Matthew 6, 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Can I give, can I give you three things that um, bring about this, this worry that Jesus is talking about, okay? Um, that keep us tuned to the wrong channel. The first is what he's talking about. The first is worry. I'm gonna do this because I, I want you to see this. Because worry is an interesting word if you break it down. You have worry, and Jesus is saying, don't worry. Why? Here's why. Because the root of the word means to choke or to strangle. Sorry, I got way to the end of that over there. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't choke on tomorrow. Don't let the worries of tomorrow strangle the life out of you. That's what Jesus is saying. It chokes the life out of today. It chokes your enjoyment out of today. It chokes your fulfillment out of today. And it chokes the peace out of today because you're worrying about something like tomorrow, channel three, that you have no control over. Worry then leads to fear. And fear exaggerates reality. You all know this. We talked about this before, so I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it. But fear always is like a giant magnifying glass on your problem and blows your problem up like this. And whenever you live in the channels of worry and fear, what you end up with is anxiety. Which is, the word literally means to tremble. It's a trembling that is an offspring of these two things. When worry and fear come together, they produce anxiety. And what Jesus is saying is get off of that ship. Anxiety is not where he has made you for. You need to hear that loud and clear. We are not made for worry, we're not made for fear, we're not made for anxiety. Let me ask you, any mechanics in the room? Like auto mechanics, who's an auto mechanic? Oh yes, Bob Donegan. You told me that I could call you out now because you're sitting near the front. I just love this. I love that you're down here in the front. Okay, Bob, here's the deal. Okay, so a combustible engine, right, has to run on fuel, which is gasoline in most cases or, or diesel fuel or something like that, okay? So um, that's what it's designed for. That's how it runs, right? So what if I take, if I decide I'm going to sweeten 
up my engine and I'm going to put a cup of sugar in my gas tank. What do you think would happen? What? Say it again. I'd be coming to see you. Okay, I got that. All right. That's very good. And why would I be coming to see you, Bob? Because they'd lock up the engine. It won't run on sugar and gasoline. It has to run on gasoline. It won't run on sugar. Sugar messes it up. Sugar destroys the engine, okay? Any IT people? Yes, sir. What happens if I introduce a virus into my computer? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to come see you. And why am I going to come see you? Because my computer will not work if a virus is introduced to it. Are you listening? Are you getting the point already? I don't have to say it even really, do I? What sugar is to an engine and what a virus is to a computer, anxiety, worry, and fear are to your human spirit. If you let it get in, it will destroy you and you will not work right. You won't be able to function. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. I haven't designed you for that. I came across this this week. Write it down because um, this is another big poster you can put up on your wall and you ought to remind yourself and your kids every day about this. You and I are not wired for worry. You and I are not fashioned for fear. I love that. You and I are certainly not made for the misery of trembling about tomorrow. We don't work right when we're on that train, so get off the worry train. You have limited capacity. Here's the second reality. I have limited control. Look at Matthew 6, 34 again. Do not worry about tomorrow, and then let's look at this part, for tomorrow will worry about itself. I just love that. Jesus is so awesome, isn't he? Tomorrow isn't asking for your help. That's what he's saying. What are we supposed to be concerned about? What channel are we supposed to be on? Channel two, not channel three. And what Jesus is saying is channel three doesn't need your help. You're not helping tomorrow or altering tomorrow by worrying about tomorrow. It's all, it's fine all by itself. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Now the reality is that God is worrying about tomorrow. God has it all under control. And basically what he's saying is, you need to get off the worry train and get off of this, thinking about this and worrying about tomorrow. I've got tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. You're limited in your control. You do not have tomorrow. I've got tomorrow. I'm worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow's worrying about itself, Jesus says, so stop worrying about it. You don't need two people to worry about it. Husbands, you ever done that with your wife? Sorry, Robin, I'm the only one who has done that with you. Oh, there's one other person. Babe, I'm worrying about it. You don't need to. You ever done that? Sometimes she's like, Phil, I'm worrying about it. You don't need to. This is what God is saying to us. This is what Jesus is describing to us. Listen, tomorrow worry about itself. You don't need to be worrying about tomorrow. You are limited in your control. Look at verse 27 of chapter six. Look, jump, jump back just a couple of verses. Verse 27, Jesus says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? What's the answer? It's obvious, right? No, I cannot do that. So what are you worried about it for? I can't. 
I can't control my health future. Oh, yes, I can. Yes, I, oh, yes, I can. In fact, I'm doing it every day. I'm making better choices every day. I, I am. I am. So I can control my health future. I'm eating better. I'm working out in the morning. I'm making better choices. And so that guarantees my health. No. That helps. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to do. It doesn't guarantee your health future. You have no idea when your heart's going to stop. We talked about that. You have no idea. I mean, you could be, how many stories have you heard of people that are like health nuts and they're doing everything right and they drop over with a heart attack and die or they get cancer? They're like, where did this come from? I've been doing everything right. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I, I work out. I do everything I'm supposed to. I don't eat any fried food. My life is miserable. <laughs> and here I am. It happens all the time. You can't control your health future. You can't. You can't control your family future. Oh, yes, I can. The Bible says that if you raise your children up and you teach them the right ways of the Lord, that it's a guarantee that when they're older, they will not turn from it. Mm, kind of a bad interpretation of that passage. It is true that if you will train up your child in the way he should go, if you will raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then you're really jacking up their chances of living a life for God and making their, your faith theirs and making it their own. But how heartbreaking is it where you do raise your children for the Lord? You teach them everything that the Bible has for them for life and godliness and you work so hard. And, and you know, the, the Bible even says that there's no greater joy in the heart of a parent than to see their children going hard after God. But how heartbreaking, there's no greater heartbreak and heartache and to raise your children up in the way that they should go. And they make decisions when they become older. They make decisions to walk away from the Lord. They make horrible decisions for their lives. It just causes massive destruction in your family. And you think, I never saw this coming. I would never want this. And yet it happens. And those of us who are control freaks in the room hate that. We'll even go into some deep, dark depression because somehow we missed it. Somehow we didn't control it enough. Somehow we didn't say the right things enough to keep my child from going down this wrong path or to keep my family from going down this wrong. Listen, you have no control over those people. Every one of them is a soul. Every one of them has a heart and a mind that they have to give to the Lord and submit to the Lord sometime in their life. You can do all you can, but you can't control the family future. You can't control your financial future as much as, I can't tell you how depressed I am because you know back in the day, I'm putting money away. I'm putting money away. I'm putting the money away for this great nest day when I get older. And, and the nest day keeps going like this. You do know that just a couple of decisions, a couple of circumstances in our world could just, and the, the thing that you have, you think you have in the bank is not there. It's just gone now. Now what? Now what? Well, you were a fool to like rest your entire future on what you think you can build for yourself financially. You can't control the world around you. You know stuff's happening all around us and we can't control it at all. Do you know who this is? I got a picture here. Do you know who this is? 
Anybody know who that is? Her name is Lisa Galvin. Lisa was a Kansas City DJ who was full of life. She was described as being full of laughter and full of life and had such a passion for music. And she got up this Wednesday, went out to celebrate with her husband and two children and over a million other Chiefs fans their Super Bowl victory out on the streets in Kansas City just to be fatally shot by a straight bullet fired in some kind of juvenile dispute that some kid decided to pull out a gun and just start shooting people, killed her, wounded a whole bunch of other people, young people. My heart goes out to Lisa's family and I've been praying for them all week long. She got up Wednesday morning full of life, full of hope for the future, full of excitement about celebrating the Chiefs. Didn't know that she was gonna walk in one moment, in one split second into her death, into eternity. You know, the Bible says, you guys, that life is short. It's, it's like a mist, it's a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Can't control the world around us. Can't control our moral environment much as we want to. We can make issue, we can we can we can make dents in it. We can't control it. It's out of control right now. No matter what we've tried and no matter what we're trying right now to like equip ourselves to be an influence in this dark world, but it's getting worse and worse. Can't control our political environment. Can't control our work environment. I can't even control the church environment. It was Benjamin Franklin who wrote in 1789, here it is. Our new constitution is now established. Everything seems to promise it will be durable. (laughs) Okay, Ben, you were full of hope back then. You weren't living today. Um, But this is what, listen to this next part. But in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. I have limited control. I have limited control of anything in my life, so Jesus says, stop worrying about it. Let me share this with you. Um, I've got a doctor's list of side effects brought on by worry and anxiety. Just, Just to see, do we need any extra evidence that Jesus knows what he's talking about? Do we? Do we? The answer is no, <laughs> but because we're humans, we kinda, this kind of helps us. Um, here's a doctor's list of side effects brought on by worry. Irritability, depression, insomnia, fatigue, headaches, muscle and joint pain, elevated blood pressure, upset stomach and ulcers. How's it going for you? Okay, those of you who are worry freaks, those of you who are like worried all the time and trying to control everything, okay? Worry upsets and weakens the immune system, making one susceptible to viruses and diseases, including cancer, and will tempt a person to overreact or overwork, leading to other health-related issues, such as panic attacks. 
Listen to this. Panic attacks are a result of worry being unchecked. The person's heart begins to race and they have a sense of terror and dread. They might even experience sweats, chills, chest pain, and difficulty breathing. And those who experience these attacks will likely have another very soon because panic attacks tend to build upon each other and escalate as the weight and worry begins to overtake you, not only their mind, but their body and their heart as well. When the Bible says, are you listening with me? I haven't lost you, right, yet? Okay, when the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, when Jesus says, stop worrying about tomorrow, these aren't restrictive commands for God's people. They're protective statements of a loving God in order to help us for our protection over the negative influence that worry and anxiety have upon us. Worry and fear are cancer to our spirits. We aren't made for it. We have limited capacity. We have limited control. Here's number three reality. I will always face uncertainty. I will always face uncertainty. Matthew 6, 34 again. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Here's the good news. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day is bringing trouble with it. Each day has enough trouble that it's bringing with it, let alone worrying about tomorrow's trouble that will be coming tomorrow. Deal with today. I will always face uncertainty. I'm going to ask your permission to kind of go back into um, our story a little bit today. I don't like to just constantly bring it up and everything, um, but it is part of our life. And um, in 2015, uh, James, my son James and I, um, had a bucket list thing that we wanted to do. We wanted to explore Yosemite National Park together um, out in California. And so we planned a trip. And it was Robin and me, and then James and Angela, and Hudson was along with us um, for that trip. And um, we got into town, and we explored the area. We got into our cabin. We had, we had rented this little um, log cabin, and it had snowed, this freak snowstorm that day, and it was beautiful. It was just like, if you've ever been in a really cool snowstorm in California where it piles high, they measure it in feet instead of inches. Um, that's the kind of day that it was, and we got all snuggled up in our in our cabin, and we bought a bunch of food because we were going to be there for several days. We were like, we don't want to not have anything we want. We want to have everything we want, you know, and this is a perfect time. And we stood at this big window in the cabin looking out into this beautiful landscape and the snow falling down, and, and I said to James, I said, we were just two guys standing out looking out, outside, and I just said, James... The future is bright. I had just, I'm just a year into being the lead pastor um, here at the church and things were going well and we were in the middle of a revival thing that was going on and we were just loving that and the, the, the work that God was doing and James had some exciting things going on in his professional life and I just said, the Lord is blessing us so much and our life is full of his blessings. And the future looks so bright. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see what tomorrow will bring. 
You ever been there in those moments where you're just like full of hope and full of life and went to bed on that that night and woke up the next morning at 6.30 to a phone call from our son-in-law, Davey, saying, Dad, Mom, something bad has happened to Amanda, only to find out that she had been shot and murdered. And he just said, you got to get home as fast as you can. We don't know from one minute to the next what is coming our way. Our future is uncertain. I want to say that that's the way God planned it. He didn't give you the capacity or the control of the future. And there's uncertainty in all of our futures, no matter how much you prepare. You get, do you get that? You don't know. You don't know what's coming that will completely change the course of your life. But that's his plan. I don't like that plan. But that's his plan. Can I show you this? Can I show you something? If you want to go with me to Matthew 8, Verse 23, I want to show you this passage. It's a familiar story. Um, Jesus and his disciples are in the Galilee region, and verse 23 of Matthew 8 says that Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Now, he's done this before where he's just sent his disciples into a boat to go across the lake, but this time he got into the boat with his disciples and started across the lake. A fierce storm struck the lake. Now, that word fierce the root word of that in the Greek is megas. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay, it's where we get our word mega. Okay, so this is a mega storm. So suddenly a mega storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Now let's put on our Christology hats for just a little bit, okay? This is the study of Christ and who he is in his divine humanity as he was here on the earth. So here's the question. Did Jesus know that a storm was coming? When you know about Jesus, does he, does he know that a storm is coming? The answer is yes, he knew that a storm was coming. Did he know that the storm was coming before they got into the boat or after they got into the boat? Okay, I got a problem with that. I mean, what's up with that? If Jesus knew that this mega storm was coming, why did he tell him to get into the boat? Why did he get in the boat and say, come on, guys, let's go. We're crossing the lake. If he knew that a megastorm was coming. Why didn't he do what every one of us would do if we had loved ones that we were taking onto a boat to cross a lake and be like, hey, boys, there's a big old storm coming. A mega storm is coming. It's gonna be here in, yeah, 18 minutes because I'm God and I know these kinds of things. It's gonna last an hour and a half, so let's just go to this little side restaurant over here. Let's eat some fried fish while we wait for the storm to pass. Then we'll get into the boat and go across the lake. How many of you would choose a, a friend like that? Five of you? 
No, the whole church would say, that's the kind of friend that I want. That's the kind of savior I want. That's the kind of Lord that I want who's going to watch out for me and know if he knows that there's a megastorm coming, he's not gonna make me go through that megastorm. Certainly not. Is anybody on that page with me? Any normal person would do that. <laughs> okay, sorry, Lord, but you, you are not normal. <laughs> he gets into the boat and he starts out across the lake. Okay, so knowing that the megastorm was coming. So insanity or sovereignty? Which one is it? And to make things worse, what's Jesus doing on the boat? Okay, he's sleeping, okay. Even though he knows that the megastorm is coming, he decides to get in the belly of the boat and go to sleep and let his disciples deal with this on their own. Some of us have a really hard time with that kind of reality. When Jesus knows the storm is coming, and he knows that his disciples don't. In fact, I would suggest that a careful study of how Jesus works would show us that Jesus on purpose led them into this nightmare confrontation with nature. He knew what he was doing. He took them right into the heart of it at the exact time it was going to hit, at its peak, and he slept in the bottom of the boat. He had a purpose in doing so, and hear me, you need to hear this, because this is biblical truth, and it was not to punish them, and it wasn't to torture them. It was something so much more profound than that. What we know now, on this side of it, that he knew then, and that they didn't know, is that he does some of his greatest work in the fiercest part of the storms and that there are eternal lessons and there is growth that can only be realized in the middle of those storms. This is how he functions. This is how he works in our lives. You remember the story of Lazarus? The one that Jesus loves, Jesus' dearest friend, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He was sick and they were afraid that he was going to die. So Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus. Jesus is away by, by several days away from them. And they send word to Jesus. They say, hurry and come. This is how they put it. They said, You're the, the one that you love, Lazarus, the one that you love is sick. Please come and help us. They, by faith, knew that Jesus could come and perform a miracle and heal their brother Lazarus. And the very next verse says that he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so he hung out for a couple more days and let Lazarus die. That doesn't feel loving to me. That doesn't seem something that a normal loving person would do. They would like drop everything. You would do that. Drop everything and go. Especially if you could help. He says to his disciples, after Lazarus dies, he knows Lazarus is dead. Okay, now let's go to Judah, or Judea, to see Lazarus. He's sleeping, and I gotta wake him up. Now they thought, 
Jesus was saying, he's sleeping. And so their response was, well, if he's asleep, can he wake himself up on his own? Why do we have to go there? Jesus shakes his head. And I want you to see this next verse. John eleven fourteen. 14. Lazarus is dead. Not asleep, he's dead. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad. There's two words that you don't want to use in the same sentence. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. You don't want to use those. Don't try using that with somebody, especially a loved one, unless you're Jesus. It's like, I'm glad, boys, that he's dead. Because I could totally handle this. And I need you to believe that I can totally handle these kinds of situations. So I'm going to let you experience what it is to leave it to me and leave your futures to me and let me handle what you can't because you're not equipped to handle and you're not equipped to control. I want you to open your eyes and your ears to who I am so that you can trust in me when times get tough. I want you to know that I can calm the storms of your life with just a word anytime I want to. Don't you remember when I've done it before? Don't you remember when I walked on the water? Don't you remember all the other things that I have done? I want you to experience a new and a fresh. But before I still the storms in your lives and before I raise the dead, I'm going to accomplish some amazing things in you and through you. Do you trust me, boys? Do you trust me, Phil? Do you trust me, Robin? The solution, my friends, to the uncertainty that leads us to worry is trust. Trust in who? Who can I trust in this world? You trust in Jesus. You choose to trust in Jesus. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in the world. Don't put your hope in your friends. Don't put your hope in your finances. Don't put your hope in anything else but in God. Put your hope in God and your soul will not have to be downcast. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't try to figure it out on your own because you can't. You don't have the capacity or the control. Commit your ways to the Lord I came across this in my study, and I love it. For reasons only known to God, there will always be enough storms in our lives to keep us on our knees. Just at the time, and we think everything is settled down and cruising along, and you look out, and the future is so bright, and the future is so hopeful, you'll start to hear the whistling of wind it starts to build, and it starts to build, and all of a sudden you, you feel splashes of rain in your face, and pretty soon there's a gale force wind, and it's driving the rain, and this mega storm is coming, and then you're in the middle of the storm, and you're at its peak. You will hear the voice of Jesus saying something like, I'm glad, and you go like, what are you, what are you saying? I'm glad. What are you talking about? I can't hear you. The storm is raging too loud. I'm glad, Phil. I'm glad. What are you talking about? You're glad. I'm in the middle of this. I'm going to die. Can't you see what's going on here? I'm glad, Phil. Because now maybe you'll trust in me. Maybe you'll believe in me. And maybe you'll know. Because I'm getting ready to perform a big old miracle in your life. 
Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You have one more in you? I'm sorry, I got really cranked up just then. I'm really sorry about that. But um, Do you have one more? Um, Because this is good news. Reality number four, I can bring my burden to Jesus. So the disciples, they're out there. Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. Matthew 8, 25, he says this. The disciples went and woke him up. Shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Can't you just see it? Can't you just hear it? I mean, the storm is raging. Waves are crashing. They're like, where is Jesus? He's in the bottom of the boat sleeping. They have to wake him up, and they go down. They're like, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. It wasn't like, Lord, 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 save us. We're going to drown. I promise you it wasn't like that. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. This storm is too big. Question, were the disciples going to drown? Come on. No, they weren't. No way. Was Jesus going to drown in the boat? (laughs) He had a lot of work left to do. There's no way he was going to drown. There's no way he was going to let them drown. They had a lot of work left to do. Pentecost was coming. He knows all that stuff, okay? They, shouldn't they have known that? Spending all this time with Jesus, shouldn't they have known that? Hadn't they just witnessed that very day the miraculous healing of a man with leprosy? You bet, you can read about it. Didn't they just witness Jesus raise a paralyzed son of a centurion with just a word? Didn't have to go to his house, just said, because of your faith, I'm gonna say the word and I'm gonna heal your son and raise your son up. Didn't they just experience that? Absolutely they did. How do you know that, Phil? Because you can read about it. It happened. Hadn't they just witnessed Jesus raise up Peter's mom from her fever and then cast out demons and all and heal all the sick in Peter's town? Absolutely they did because they had just witnessed it and the Bible tells us that they had just witnessed it. Shouldn't they have been on the bow of the boat facing into the wind and the waves screaming, woohoo! Shouldn't they have been just out there like tie themselves down and be like, yeah, bring it on! Hang ten, baby! Let the waves come! Let the wind blow! Shouldn't they have been there like that? I got Jesus on board! You can't do nothing to me! I'm sorry, Robin. She gets really weird when I get like that. She's like... Way too much caffeine. Next week, we'll adjust your caffeine next week. I just, listen, you have to hear me. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm here. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And it'll take care of itself, because I got it. You just stay on channel two. You just keep doing what I say to do. You just keep working the way I'm asking you to work. And you just keep trusting in me. They were so safe with Jesus. Jesus wasn't going to lose them. He had a plan for them, but this was real to them. They had no chance of drowning in the storm, but they thought that they were going to. And I would, I would suggest to you, they did exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. Run to him. 
and just say, Jesus, save us. I'm going to drown. And when life hits us, you guys, when life comes at us, when the storms come at us, the message to us is you don't have the capacity and you don't have the control over these things. Jesus does. He's equipped. He knows how. He will take care of it. You trust in him. Choose to trust Jesus because you can't control your future. Trust is a divine human transaction. It's you bringing your burdens to him and laying them down and then picking up his promises with your empty hands now. And unfortunately, this is what we look like most of the time. When I see a guy in the wilderness, <laughs> kind of loaded this baby way too much. When I see a guy show up in the wilderness with a backpack like this, I just shake my head. Because what he does, he's just like, this is what he sounds like. You know, we're, we're trying to like go down and have peace and quiet in the wilderness. And this is what he sounds like going down the trail. And you're just like, Dude, what are you doing? Put that stuff in your backpack. He's like, I can't. Well, why not? I got too much stuff in my backpack. I got to slash it onto the outside. And what we keep doing, this is what we do, my friends, because we're control freaks. We just take on all the weights and all the burdens, and we just keep, we fill up our backpack, and then we just keep lashing stuff to the outside and lashing stuff to the outside. And pretty soon, this is how we're going through life. And you're just like, I can't do this, I can't do this anymore. And it's like, like, what are you doing that for? Because I, I got all this stuff I gotta carry. Well, like, let me take it, let me take it. If somebody came to you, let me take it for you. Okay, Dean, come here. You wanna take it from me? Okay, you're Jesus, come on. You're Jesus. This is, I'll come down to you. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so I come to you and I'm like, hey, Jesus. No, 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 no. I can't have you take that. I don't, I, I don't want to give it to you. I don't want to give it to you. I'm like a control. Oh, I got this. And what are your words to me going to be? No, you don't. Phil? No, you don't. Leave it with me. This is what the call is. This is the transaction. This is what trust is. Trust is total reliability. I think they have, you guys have that trust definition up there? Can you put it up? Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone. A total confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence that I can leave it with him. Trust is the divine human transaction. Here's the transaction. I give it to him. And then I receive his promises. He's got it. I'm not picking it back up. How many of us do that, right? We come, leave your heavy burden at the cross. 
and so we leave our stuff at the cross and we go to we leave it there and then it says and go free but we don't go free because we get up off of our knees and we pick it right back up we say, hey, I, feel, I felt a lot better. Now I feel refreshed. I'm going to go carry this again. That is not the transaction. That is not trust. What that's saying is, I don't trust you, Jesus, with my problems. I'm going to leave them here. You can sit down. I'm going to leave them here, and I'm going to pick up your promises. Promises like Isaiah 41. You guys have it up there? Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Come on. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. It's promises like Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then, and only then, my friends, only then will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I choose to trust Jesus. How about you? Want some homework? How many want some homework? Want some homework? Phil, come on. Listen, when you were in school, you had a lot more homework than this. I'm giving you weeks between, okay, to work on this stuff, okay? So right now, what do we have? We get on our knees every morning, right? Get on our knees every morning. We confess him as Lord of our life, and we give it over to him, and we ask his Holy Spirit, help us make better choices today than we made yesterday. And then we get up off of our knees, brush your teeth first, okay? Brush your teeth, get a cup of coffee, and then, <laughs> and then go and sit down with your Bible, and we'll spend some time in the Bible, 30 minutes, right? 30 minutes in God's word, different kinds of ways that you're doing that, and get God's word into your heart, into your life before you start out your day. Some of you did the work last week of going, and if you haven't, you still need to have some homework to do. You need to go make that phone call. You need to write that letter. You need to take care of that situation that you have in forgiveness out there. And then today is this. Here's the, here's the thing, because remember, this is a divine, trust is a divine human transaction. It's me dumping off my burdens to the Lord and then picking up his promises. Last two weeks ago, I talked about this. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Here's what that means. Your word shows me where I'm at and where my feet are at right now and go, uh, I'm not sure I'm on the right path. And then they shine the light. The word shines the light on the path we're supposed to go. Sometimes we're way over here and we're looking around for the light and there's the path over there. So we've got to turn. This is what repentance is. We've got to turn. We've got to start walking on the path. So when we read God's word, there's 30 minutes in the day. That's shining the light on your feet, and then it's directing your path onto the path that you need to go. But then Psalm 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Is worry, fear, and anxiety sin? Okay. We've got to apply God's word to our hearts, into our minds, into our lives, so that we will not sin in our worry, in our fear, in our anxiety. You're going to worry. You're going to, we're human beings. We're going to have these emotions that God has given to us, and we're supposed to have these things, but they need to be driving us to the Lord 
to, to the realities that we wrote today, that I'm limited in my capacity, I'm limited in my control. I choose to trust Jesus in the middle of these things that are causing anxiety, worry, and fear. And hiding God's word in your heart helps you with that. Here's the transaction. I dump off of my burden and I pick up his promises. In fact, here's the first memory verse. So you're like, you're gonna ask me to memorize God's word now? Absolutely. If I could choose it for you, I would. I'd make you do it. I would make you memorize these words because you're gonna need them. And God knows that. And so start working on one verse. In fact, pick, pick up Philippians 4, 6, and 7. That's two verses, I know. But you're high achievers, so go for it. Get, get, a, get those verses, okay? Don't be worried about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, bring your requests before God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Memorize that. Put it to memory in your heart. Here's how you do that. Take a three by five card. No, take three three by five cards. Write the verse out on three three by five cards. Tape one to your mirror because you all look at yourself. You better look at yourself before you leave the home. Man, look at it then. Put it on your dashboard of your car or somewhere in your car where you see it. Put it on your computer screen if you sit at a computer all day. Put it wherever it is that you see it all day long and just work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it and put it to memory. And when you do, you're picking up the promises of God that will help you release the control of the things you don't have control of. I commit afresh and anew Every morning, add this to your morning prayer. Lord, I lay down my burdens today and I pick up your promises. Can't control the future, so I choose this day to trust you. Let's stand together. Some of you right now, When we get done, you need to come up here with all this clanging junk that you have and leave it here today. I invite you to do that. Bring this junk up here and leave it here and walk out free. We have a prayer team that will be down here. They're actually equipped with power promises from God's word, that they might read one into your heart and read one into your life as you come down here and say, Lord, I'm making the exchange. Here's my burdens. I can't control it. I'm not equipped to handle it. I give it to you because I trust you, Jesus, and walk out of here free. Lord, I pray that you'll give us all the strength to do that, that you'll help us with this because we are prone to try to control it ourselves. We want to hear your voice today, Lord, and apply it to our lives. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow worry about itself. We know that you've got it and you've got us. Help us as we walk this out this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you. Give somebody some strength on the way out today.